As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hey, have you ever had a friend, I mean a really good friend, and then they became good friends with another really good friend of yours? And then they stop being really good friends and you're kind of caught in the middle and you got this on because you're trying to figure out what happened and you're trying to referee, man, they're saying this and this, they're saying that about this and, and you're like, what? Have you ever been in that place? Come on now. Thank you for one honest person in the house today. Yes, amen. But seriously, give me a hand raise if you've been in that place. I mean, whether it's with family or whether it's friends and, you know, she's not coming to the birthday party because she's going to be there and whatever it is, I got to let you in on a secret. I was in that place this morning. It was actually with Pastor Craig. It was. I came in this morning and he's all heated and they're going after it. I mean, I'm thinking, we're at church, man. What's going on? Are you kidding me? And it was Pastor Steve who left. So let's talk about him. And the executive pastor, and we got the lead campus pastor, and they're going at it. And I'm just like, guys, come on, man, what's going on? And so I had to send them to their rooms, I mean offices. But in all seriousness, I mean, it happens. I hope you worked it out. (laughs) I'm kidding, but the truth is this, that what? That this is what happens. So what are we to do in situations where there's disagreement and there's conflict? How are we to respond? What's the Bible say? Good question. You may not realize it, but there's a little book in the Bible that's written to answer every single one of those questions. It's the book of Philemon. And that book has one chapter with 25 verses and 335 words. Count them all up. And it gives us the four steps to reconcile relationships so that we, when we enter the ring of havoc and relational breakdown and setback that we know what to do. So if you have a Bible, do this, open it up to Philemon, excuse me. And Philemon is the book that we're gonna be studying today. And again, it's a very short book with 25 verses, one chapter, it's in the New Testament, right before the book of Hebrews. Check the table of contents to find it. I had to do it today and that's where I marked it. It's not one we turn to often, but it's extremely helpful for each of us. We're in a series, if you're joining us online, we're in a series entitled DTR. It's defining the relationship. And we've been talking about defining relationships not only in marriage, in family, at the workplace, even right here in the church. Today, we're talking about defining the relationship with friends. That is the title of the message as we talk about what it looks like to make sure that we're in a good place with each other. And so, if you're a note taker, go ahead and do this. Write down step number one to reconciling relationships. Extend grace by thinking the best of both parties. I mean, that's where we gotta start. We can't start by thinking the worst. We gotta start by thinking the best. And that's what we're gonna see the Apostle Paul do in this letter right here in Philemon. Now let me set the table because we have already said it that Paul is writing the letter. He's standing in the center of the circle as the referee with this shirt on. But over in this corner over here is Philemon. And he's got the red trunks on and he weighs in at about 210. And the Apostle Paul knows him extremely well. 
And then over in this corner of this relational breakdown, we've got Onesimus. And Onesimus is in the blue trunks. He clocks in at 225. He's a heavyweight for sure. And the apostle Paul knows him too. Well, what are they in the ring for? Why are they at opposite corners? What exactly happened? Good question. The Bible doesn't tell us every bit about the conflict. Some have surmised and guessed that he stole from him and and that's why we're in this conflict. But I gotta be honest, I think it's a bit more veiled in the scriptures and we don't know for sure why. Well, because I think when we step into the ring of reconciliation, it's not about what you did in the past, it's about what you're gonna do in the future. Oh, I don't think you heard me. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's not about what was behind you, it's about what's ahead of you. It's not where you've been, it's about where you're going. And what will you do to reconcile together? That's what the Apostle Paul is focusing in on in this letter. So how does he do it? I mean, he's brilliant, man. He's the master at it. We could take notes from him. And how he does it is this. He thinks the best. In verse 1, he calls Philemon his beloved fellow worker. Man, you're just an awesome worker. You've done an amazing job. You're building the kingdom. Right in verse 2, we see that the church was being built right in his home as they were meeting in his house. See, Paul had led him to Christ, and so they had a very special relationship. And then he goes on in verses 4 through 7. We'll just hit the highlights. He says, man, i got to tell you this, Philemon. I thank God for you because I hear of your love, I hear of your faith, I hear of your testimony toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the saints, man, you are doing an awesome job. Again, he's thinking the best and not the worst. He goes on to say this. He compliments him and says, you bring much joy and comfort and from this love, and he says, man, many have been refreshed through you. Do you see what he's doing? Man, he's laying it on thick, but he's not identifying the wrong. He's looking forward to what's right. And I think that's good advice for parents as well, is that what, that we wouldn't start off with the condemnation, but start off with the encouragement as we're bringing people together. And then he does the same thing for Philemon. He looks over at that corner and he says this, In verses 10 through 12, he says, my child, Onesimus, and he says, Philemon, man, you do this, and Onesimus, you're my child, and and he had a special relationship with him too because when he was in prison, they got to know each other, and he led him to Christ. I mean, Paul had a vested interest here, and he's like, man, you're so useful to me, and you're you're so useful to everybody. You got so many gifts and so many abilities, and and then he says this, I'm going to send him, you're going to go over to him, and And he's literally saying, he's painting the picture to Philemon that I'm sending him back to you, man. He's ready. Please accept him. I'm telling you, he's a good guy. I've gotten to know him. And Paul stepped into the middle of the ring of relational reconciliation. And instead of thinking the worst, he thinks the best. Isn't it interesting that he didn't listen to this side and this side and he didn't do that at all. I remember when I first got into ministry and I was um, actually had just left the business world and um, after seven, eight years and then went into ministry and I, I was actually going to seminary and I was just working uh, as an intern at a church. And, and what wound up happening is, is I had two bosses. How many people have ever had two bosses before? It's not good. <laughs> and these two bosses, I won't go into all the details, but they had between them a combined, I mean, it had to be 30, 40 years of ministry experience. I mean, I'm a baby Christian. I don't know nothing. I'm just walking in this thing. I'm new in the Lord. And 
I got a pastor here and a pastor here. And this pastor is telling me about this pastor and this pastor is telling me about this pastor and none of them were good things. I mean, it got so bad, I kid you not, that this pastor, he sat me down one day. I'll never forget it. I mean, I'm brand new in the faith. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and he, he, he turns to the story of Saul. And then he says, do you see the story of Saul, how the spirit left him? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, that's what happened to him, the pastor. And I'm just like, you know, I mean, my head's spinning. And, and so I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel like I was qualified to put this on it. But I just developed a phrase, and you've heard me. Some of you have been with me a long time, and you've heard me say this over and over again. This is how it originated. I just said, I don't have ears for that. I don't have ears for that when you talk about him, and I don't have ears for that when you talk about him. And that, that's all I did. That's all I knew what to do. And isn't it true that in the midst of relational conflict with friends and family members, roommates that will listen to things that we ought not to be listening to. Honest section, raise your hand. Thank you for your, this family right here. I just really appreciate you guys. The rest, could you pull up the maturity of the rest of your section, please? <laughs> but honestly, isn't it true? It's true, man. We listen to things and we see things and boy, you throw in Facebook and you throw in the Twitter and, and he's saying this about him who goes to this church and this pastor and this and that and Man, we're just not thinking the best. And he got fired, and he did this, and he, she did that. And I mean, we just start off by thinking the worst and not the best. And it's a root of bitterness that will not, it will cause a greater divide. Second step. So what the Apostle Paul does, he tells us that we've got to expedite interaction. So what that means is I got to take you, I got to take you, I got to bring you together. And we've got to expedite interaction by bringing these wounded parties, people that are hurting, people that have gone through conflict, people that have gone through difficulty, and we've got to bring them together. And again, Paul does it in some really unique ways. First, he does it by just being friendly. He doesn't force them together. He doesn't say, okay, you're going here, you're going here, because I got an apostolic authority, and you get here right now, and you be in my office at three o'clock. No, he, he doesn't do that. How does he do it? Look with me at verses eight through 10. Accordingly, though I am bold enough to Christ to command you to do what is required, I, I could do that. But, but yet for love's sake, man, I appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner. See, he's writing this at the latter stages of his life. For Jesus Christ, I, man, I, I just got to I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, <laughs> whose father I became in my imprisonment. And interestingly, when you double click on this word, it's really important for us to understand what does he mean by that? Because he could have used, he could have commanded him, he could have reprimanded, he could have demanded him. And he chose not to do any of it. And he appealed to him. And so in the original language, if we're to double click on this word, it's really important what it means. It literally means, let me break it down for you, appeal. That's what it means. I don't think that we need to know what it means because I think we do know what it means. I think we have a failure to do it. And so I've learned this, that it's really the 3A approach. I, I gotta appreciate, I gotta applaud, and I gotta, I, I gotta appeal. And that's what we see Paul doing. That's how he's bringing these two people together. He's not making a demand. 
And then I love what comes next. Check these next set of verses. Follow along in the text. Verses 15 and 16, because then he says, this is perhaps why he parted from you a while back, that, that you might have him back forever. So, hey, you guys may not have been the best of friends ever, but you're going to be the best of friends now, and you're going to spend time together. And then look what he says. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. He's painting a picture of a second chance that each one of us has received. Where would you be without the second chance? I mean, that's what he's saying and doing, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been going on. That, that what, I'm not going to date stamp you for what you did in the past. And that's oftentimes what happens in these relational conflicts as we go to our corners. No date stamping, man. Like, I'm believing he's painting a picture for them of how they can be beloved brothers in unity in Christ. Now, I got to tell you this. I, Many of you know that if you studied this letter that Onesimus was a slave. And so slavery, it, it was one third of the population back there in the first century. And so it's a bit different, hear me for a moment, it's a bit different than what we're thinking about with slavery in that some of them were very skilled, some of them were unskilled, some of them had professional or unprofessional, some had education, but, but it was still bad. I mean, really bad, not good. They, they weren't free and, and so a lot of times what will happen in the church is we'll to be too quickly, and I don't want to be like this, we'll be too quickly to, to look at the passages in the scripture, specifically in the New Testament, about slavery, and we'll, we'll say, well, you know what, that's about, um, you know, that's about your employer and employee relationships, and we can learn that. And, and I'm not against that application. But let me be clear, I mean, all of us here at High Point, the Bible does not condone slavery. Do we realize that? I mean, nowhere in the Bible can you point to a passage where it condones slavery. It goes against everything that God is about. Now, it gives instructions to those who are in it, but it does not condone it. But as I stand here today, and with those joining us online, I, man, the church has not always been in the best place here. And even during the abolition of slavery, some in the church, not all, but too many, what they did they specifically did this. They used the Bible to condone slavery when it said just the opposite. And then the civil rights movement, what many did in the church is they stood silent. And that's never God's heart. Is that what? We need to stand up. We need to speak up in the face of injustice, in the face of inequality. That's what God desires, Amen. I mean, we talk about this, that what? Micah chapter six, verse eight, that we do justice, we love kindness, and we walk humbly with our God. So as we see the difficulty, even in our world today, over what? Over an inability that these issues over time have caused systematic problems. Yes, they have, that what? That, that too many are at opposite ends of the corner right now. And so Paul's heart and God's heart, I mean, what, from the beginning is the what we can see in the people of Israel, man, he does not condone slavery. He wants to free the people from bondage. He wants you to be one in him. The scripture says what? That it says there is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. That we are all one in Christ. That that's his desire. Now that's not saying check your heritage at the door. That's not, say, check your ba uh, background at the door, where you're from. And no, he's not saying that at all. 
he's saying this, man, we all have unique differences and skills and come from different backgrounds and different places and praise God that we're one in him. That's the motivation. That's why it's so important for us to, man, we gotta insert ourselves sometimes. Well, we gotta, we gotta stand up for what's right. We gotta bring people together and that's what the apostle Paul is doing. I remember when I was a roommate and my roommates in college, I, I had to put this thing on. I didn't want to. You probably have all your stories too. It's just like I was in college and, and I had to put this jersey on. I'll tell you why. It's kind of funny because one roommate, um, he would leave his dishes in the sink and he wouldn't do them and you got a full pile of dirty dishes. And then the other roommate, this is what his solution was to the problem. He didn't talk to him. I mean, they stepped back, didn't have anything to say. Thankfully, they didn't fight each other, but he would take his dirty dishes out of the sink and put them in his bed. And honestly, that kind of solved it. Now, I'm not saying to do that, but I didn't really insert myself in that situation because I thought it was funny. <laughs> but when should we insert ourselves? Think with me for a moment. And maybe you've got a family disagreement. Maybe it is between your roommates and it's not as simple as some dirty dishes. I mean, we've got people in our church right now, they're, they're, in, they're in conflict and we're upset with each other. How do you know when to step in? Hey, let me let you peek into my journal for a moment because there's several questions that I've learned to ask myself over the years. And so these are a few of them. How do you know when you should bring people together to reconcile? Well, you gotta ask yourself your question, is it my responsibility to bring them together? And so it's about position, it's about Apostle Paul, certainly in this case with these two, he thought it was his responsibility. And so it's important for you to know yourself. It's really important because what is your tendency? Are you like a bull in the china shop where you're looking for any rumble and you're just, you're over-engaged in every situation? You're like, come on, man. Well, then maybe you need to step back. If your personality, though, is to step back because you're a turtle and you pull your head back in the shell and you avoid conflict, and you may find this surprising, but I do not like conflict. I, I, I wanna step back from it. I, I, nobody likes, con- I don't want to be in the center of this. And, but if that's you and that's your tendency, maybe it is your responsibility to step up in faith. Second question, good stuff so far? Thank you for this family for acknowledging this. The rest of you, just listen please. And, Get on board as we move forward together. I will ask you one more time if this is okay, and we'll uh, thank you very much, Pastor Craig. But you're in the doghouse for the way you've acted this morning already with Pastor Steve. I'm kidding. Are my motives pure? It's like, what's the motive here? What's the kingdom win? Is this for my kingdom, for what I want, what I want to do, and to, to push my agenda? Or is this honestly for... The capital K, and obviously in this situation with the Apostle Paul and Onesimus and Philemon, it's a capital K K win. And then this is a deeper question. Am I the best person to bring them together? Am I the best person to put this on? And, And really this is a question of influence. Again, go back to the story. The influence that the Apostle Paul had, yes, he was their spiritual father. Do do you have enough influence? Are, Are you the person to bring this together? How about this next one? Because you may have the most influence and you may be the right person, but is it the right time to bring them together? And so timing is everything. It's to pick the right time, the right season, the right place. Here's another question. What's gonna happen if I don't, man? 
Like, where's this thing going if I, you know, I know of the situation. Where's it going if I refuse to step in and I just back away? Now, I don't know, for Onesimus and for Philemon? I, I don't know, man. I don't know if anybody would, would have brought them together. They, he may just kept running and they never would be back together again. I remember when, um, telling some stories, uh, thinking back when I first, again, when I first got into ministry, I was leading a student ministry and I was going to seminary at the same time. It was the year before we planted this church. And I remember sitting down um, with a girl because she had been in a small group in our student ministry and they kind of found out that, you know, she said, hey, you know what? Um, she was dating a guy downtown Chicago. And so the word came, you know, we talked and we prayed and we got her together and we're talking with her about this. And, and I, f- I find out that this guy's 40 years old. She's a junior in high school. And, and so, you know, I'm just like, I, I reacted like you. I was just like, what, what, are you, what is going on here? And I mean, I was, I was upset. I, I mean, honestly, I was putting this thing and I was pretty angry as a parent, as a father. Like, like what do you do? Like, what's going on? And, and she, had, she would go to his place. He would take her out to dinner. It was, it was everything you're thinking. And so I said, and I'm so thankful for our student ministry here at High Point and um, the leadership and the leaders. So many people give their time. What a, what a great thing. And, and um, this is something we practice that, that I did. And I just said, hey, you know what? I, if, you, if you don't tell your parents, you know, I'll give you five days. You, you got to tell them because I, or I'm going to have to. It's better if you just tell them. And so she did. And then I'll never forget talking to that dad And catch the backdrop of this whole story. What was going on? She wanted her dad to step up and be as angry and upset as I was. And when I talked to him, yeah, it's it's okay. No, no, no big deal. Hey, I'm just saying, you know, you you choose to put this thing on. I I mean, I'm not saying that you can bring it all together and it's going to be a perfect ending and everything else. This is difficult. There's blood, there's sweat, there's tears. If you choose to be a reconciler, man, that's what we're talking about. I don't want to be a referee. I want to be a promoter of reconciliation. That's what I want. I want to bring people together. And that's my expectation. That's my desire for our church, that what? That we would bring people together. But it's not easy. Hey, a message like this, it could get pretty heavy. Let's have a little fun. Let's release some of the tension out of the, out of the room. And, and when you choose to put this on, catch this, because this could be you. You step into the ring of reconciliation and check out this video, because this could happen to you as you're separating the two people. Look with me at the video, please. Let's play it. That this could happen to you. you you're, you're getting in there. You're mixing it. You're just like, hey, guys, I got to separate. Whoa. Hey, man, you could get punched. I hope that the, the other person is going to hold you up and not put you down. And, but I mean, we're having a little fun just to say, you know, this isn't an easy thing. And when you choose to help reconcile, man, there's some, there's some blows that might come that you might not be expecting. And so it's really important for us to lean in and trust God and pursue this, that, that the third step is, it's about Forgiveness. And so what do I mean by that? Well, we need to encourage forgiveness. And that's really, if you want to write over the heading of your Bible, if you're following along, or if, if you're looking at your electronic device and you're thinking about this letter, it, that, that's the overarching theme, forgiveness. And, and so we got to encourage forgiveness, and that's what the Apostle Paul does. And, and so how does he do it? Look at, look at how he 
He does it in verses 17 through 20. I'll read all of these. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, I got, I'm writing this with my own hand. He's like, hey man, this isn't somebody else. This is no instruction from me. This is from me. And I write this and I will pay it to say nothing of your owing me, even if your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Now, when it says receive, it says it two times. When he says receive, if we were to double click on that, it literally means to bring into the family. It's this idea that I'm going to bring them into the inner circle. I remember when Jody and I got married, the inner circle was just me and her. And maybe that's you with your, you and your wife. It's like, yeah, we're the inner circle. And then you got kids and you bring them into the inner circle and they become adults. And I'm looking at Craig and Camille and Pastor Craig and you've got a beautiful family and they started out, inner circle was just those two, circle of trust. You could trust her, she could trust you, then you brought the kids in. And now uh, three kids, and the circle of trust is five. And then for Jody and I, circle of trust five, and then we brought in the two son-in-laws. They're in the circle of trust too, I think. <laughs> no, they are. And, and that's what he's saying. Philemon is being challenged to bring Onesimus back into the circle of trust to have a different relationship than he ever had with him before. That's what's going on. And it's a beautiful picture. How can that happen? It's through forgiveness. That, that is what the letter is about. That's what the New Testament is about. That's what the gospel is about. It's the bullseye of the gospel message. That if I experience forgiveness, I need to extend it. I experience it, I extend it. And if I refuse to extend it, I may not have experienced it to the fullest. I experience it to extend. That's what we do with forgiveness. And that's what Paul's modeling. And I love this. He says, hey, man, if he wronged you in any ways, then just charge it to my account. As in, hey, my debt's been paid. Hey, Jesus is the one that went to the cross. Hey, if we had to do what? Pay our own debt, we would be in trouble. That this reminds me of the debt that's been paid by our Savior that we sang about in worship today. That we've been forgiven. And if you've experienced that forgiveness, we need to extend it. And we need to step into the ring of reconciliation and help others experience it and extend it too. No matter how hard. No matter how painful. No matter what the relationship. That, that's what these 25 verses are about. And I just love that way that Paul says it. Charge it to my account. I imagine Paul, because he wrote in another letter, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What a great line. Hey, you know what? Christ forgave. Christ experienced and he forgave. He extended that forgiveness to everyone. He experienced the cross for you and I. And I'm doing the same thing. I've experienced some pain. I'm going to forgive. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I mean, what a beautiful picture. Charge it to my account. So why is it so hard to forgive? Getting these relational arm wrestling matches? What, what is it that makes it so hard? I would suggest to you that it's a matter of trust. So it's because trust has been broken. And that's certainly what was happening here. We don't know the details, but we can surmise that trust was broken. And so when trust is broken, it needs to be rebuilt. But Jody and I, we do marriage conferences, and we always stand up and say this. We give this equation. This is how you build, rebuild trust. It's CB over T. And so it's changed behavior over time. 
Any parent knows this, that you've got to see the change behavior over a time before the trust gets rebuilt. And if not, then guess what? Then we're back to square one. We're back to square zero. That, that what? That you didn't do what you said you were doing. And that's what Paul's asking for. That's what he wants. So trust is at the center of the situation. Now, what's interesting about this letter, follow my logic, Paul is bringing these two together. They didn't have that great of a relationship, I've already said. And now Paul's painting that your bondservants, your brothers, you're going to have a better relationship than you ever had. But as you think about your situation with your best friend or your family member, you may not, and hear me right here, you may not, because of that equation, CB over T, you may not enter into the relationship. And yes, you may forgive, but you may not be best friends again. You may have your guard up. Why? Because it takes time to rebuild trust. And let me just share with you that that's okay. Hey, man, you've been hurt. Hey, if you haven't exhibited and seen change, hey, if that hasn't happened, then then you need to be cautious and be careful. It's okay. But that doesn't mean that we don't forgive. We've got to forgive. Why? Let's play devil's advocate for a moment. Why should we forgive? Well, let me give you four reasons with four scriptures and four what I'm calling um, their quotes, quotes that are just going to blow your mind. I mean, they're, they're just amazing. So the first one is this. Forgiveness is what Jesus commands. I mean, this is red letter here. This is Matthew chapter six. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. As in, if you've experienced it, you better extend it. And if you didn't extend it, then I'm wondering if you really experienced it. How about this quote? It's unbelievable from Hannah Moore. She says, forgiveness is the economy of the heart. Isn't that great? She goes, forgiveness saves the expense of anger, the cost of hatred, the waste of spirit. Second reason, Jesus not only commanded it, forgiveness is what Jesus died for. I mean, it talks about that in Colossians. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred to us the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Check this quote out. C.S. Lewis, the deep thinker, he says, to be a Christian is forgive the unexcusable, inexcusable, because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. That's what he's done. Third reason is if we need another one. Forgiveness is what Jesus modeled. Luke chapter 23, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And then it says they cast lots to divide his garments. So in this chapter, Luke 23, we know that this is the preparation. This is where they were spitting on him. This is where they were about to crucify him. And he says, Father, forgive them. Check this quote out. D.L. Moody says, the voice of sin is loud. It is. It's echoing throughout our country. It's echoing throughout our world. It is loud. The voice of sin is loud. But the voice of forgiveness is louder. It can silence it. It can silence it in our families. It can silence it in our relationships. That, that hey, we need forgiveness. Yeah, you know what? I know. Maybe it isn't going to be. You're not going to be the best of buds like you were before. But you still got to forgive. And, and that's Okay. How about this last reason? Forgiveness, it's needed by all. It's needed by you. It's needed by you guys up in the balcony. It's needed by me. It's needed for all of us. We all need this forgiveness. And 
Ephesians 4 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I love this quote. Henry Ward Beecher says, compassion will cure more sins than condemnation. Man, that's a good word for us today, is it not? So these are the reasons why we need to forgive, why forgiveness is so important, why it is so critical. It's the center of the gospel that we would experience it so that we could extend it to the people around us. And it's not just for you and me, it's that we would involve ourselves and interact in relationships where people are being hurt and that we could trust and pray and ask the Lord to bring things together. Lastly, Four steps to reconciling relationships. Last time, good stuff today? Yes. This is gonna help us just to do what? To, to think about some relationships maybe that you're in and what role God wants you to play as we bring people together. And so lastly, I love this, expect a good result because um, if we could just flip back to that other, to the main point, please. Expect a good result. You think after doing this five times, I would know what the main point is? <laughs> expect a good result by trusting God completely. That's what we got to do. We got to trust him. And, and so this is the back swing thought for not only this step, but for the entirety of this message is you step into the ring of reconciliation. No matter if you're the referee, no matter if you're in opposite corners, the back swing thought is simply this. If I do what God wants me to do, He'll do what he, what he wants to do. I do my part, God. You do your part. If I just take the step of faith, whatever it is to get into the ring, to take the step of faith, God, you will do your part as I do mine. Whether it's what? Stepping into the ring to bring two people together. Whether it's standing at the opposite side and you've got a problem with your brother or sister in Christ or a family member or a friend or a roommate or whoever it is. And that what? What's my part? I will remove the speck from I will remove the log from my eye before I remove the speck from there. And as God calls you to do that and you take that step of faith, I do my part, God will do his. I do my part, God will do his. That, that's what we're asking. That, that's the picture of trust. So now let's go to Philemon chapter tw uh, 1, verse 21. And I love this because Paul, he, he ends strong, man. He, he's just like, he lays on a justifiable guilt trip better than your mom ever did. He says, Be confident. I'm confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you even do more than I say. He's just like, you know, you're going to do more than I'm asking you to do as I'm appealing to you in love through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say this, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me. Now think to yourself, what does he mean by that? It's accountability. Hey, you know what? I'm telling you to do this, and you're going to take a step of faith here, and you're going for it, and, and I'm going to be, I got my eye on you. I'm checking in in 22 months or so, and I, I'm going to be there to make sure. And, and isn't it true? We need that accountability that what? That, that we'll do what God desires us to do. So how do you close a message like this? Man. I look at the final greetings, Take a look in your Bibles. If you have your hard Bible, if you've got your Bible open, I'm just going to ask you to circle a name. It's in verse 24. There's a list of them, and we can kind of bypass it. But look at the name that's in there. We'll put it up on the screen. It's, it's Mark. 
Now, some of you, you remember this. I mean, Mark, just out of the blue. He just, hey, Mark, hey, Mark. Hey. Man, my brother Mark, man, I love Mark. Hey, make sure you tell him hi for me, man. He's good stuff, good, bo- good dude. But why did he do that? Well, some of you remember that back in Acts, what happened was this, is that there was this huge disagreement that Paul on his first missionary journey, I mean, this is many years prior, and Mark wanted to go. He was a young guy, and he's ready to go with him. And Paul had such a disagreement with him that he left him on the dock with his bags packed. And he says, I'm not taking him. And then he looked at Barnabas, his friend for years, his name being encourager, and he's like, get off the boat. You stay with him, because I'm sick of this. If you're for him, then get out of here. And he's like, Silas, come on, you come with me. That was the apostle Paul. But, but now look what happens years later. He already said years later that he's including Mark. I don't think I'm pushing the text too far to say that they must have worked things out. They must have got it together, man. I mean, they did the hard work of relational reconciliation. There was a throwdown, I'm telling you this, and they worked it out together. And I don't know who put this on when it came to Mark, who wrote the gospel, when it came to the apostle Paul. I don't know, maybe it was Silas, and he's like, come on, guys, it's about time. Let's go, man. Maybe it was Barnabas, the encourager, and he would do it so softly and so nicely with encouragement. But maybe it was Barnabas, because he had some experience. I don't know, some of you may recall, if you study your Bible, you remember this, that Paul, do you remember when he was named Saul and he was killing the Christians? And then he's like, hey, I'm joining. And so he joins with the Christians. And then the other Christians, the disciples, they're like, we don't want this guy. This guy's killing us. Like, to leave this guy outside. We don't want this guy. And, and, and guess who put the jersey on? It was Barnabas. Barnabas stuck up for him. He's like, no, man, he's changed. No, you can't date stamp him about what he did two weeks ago, killing people. I trust me. He, he's not going to. He's one of us now. Man, he stood up him before. And I love this about the Apostle Paul. I've tried to follow it in my own leadership is this principle is this, that I would never ask you to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. And that's what we see here. All of that in this little name, Mark, in verse 23. It's right there. Includes him. So let's take a look at each of these steps. And I'm just going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to think about which step that the Lord may be asking you to take. Maybe there is a relationship where you need to step up and you need to bring two people together. Lord, what is it that you're asking me to do? Or, or maybe you're the person that what? That you're standing on the opposite side in the opposite corner. And maybe the truth is today, it's like, you know, what do I need to do to be at peace in this situation? Because the Bible tells us that, man, you can't, you may not be able to, it may not turn out exactly like it turned out here, but the scripture says that as far as it depends on you, you are to be at peace with all men, all people. So we each need to take the step forward and do what the Lord wants. I love what Philemon's name means in the original language. It means love. It literally means to kiss. It's this idea of brotherly love. And Onesimus, his name, it means useful. It means resourceful. And so Onesimus was useful and resourceful in the kingdom. And they came together. And church historians tell us that 
Onesimus, he was used greatly in the church, even so much so that he died for the faith. He was martyred for his belief in Christ. Man, God did an amazing thing. And he can do an amazing thing with us too. So would you bow your heads with me? And the scripture says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, Father, we've heard your word today in this short little letter. And I ask by faith that you would be speaking to us. Lord, for those that are in a situation where names are coming to your head and and there's a friend or a loved one that is in conflict, no matter what the problem, no matter what the situation, no matter who's at fault, no matter what's to blame, Lord, would you help us to step forward and not backward, to step into the situation? And Lord, if you're asking us to be a promoter of reconciliation, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now to lay on the heart of those who trust you the step of faith that you want them to take. And Lord, I know that some of us, we've got some relationships that need some work. And so, Father, me included, I mean, if there's something that I need to do, would you just reveal it to me? Because, Lord, I've tried some things, and I know I don't get it all right all the time, and I know that oftentimes I do get it wrong. But, Lord, I want to know what it means to be with peace with the people around me. And so I'd ask by your Spirit that you would convict me, convict us, Lord, if there's something we need to do to remove a log before we look at the specs and Father, help us to do our part because we'll trust that you will do yours. I love the quote that says, reconciliation is more beautiful than victory. Lord, may we have some victories. May we have victories in you for the good of the kingdom because reconciliation is beautiful. And so, Lord... I believe that if we apply these truths, it can not only change our hearts, but it can change our homes. It can change our families. It it can literally change our church. And Lord, we need that because the church needs to be the light in this dark world that, Lord, we could change our communities. We could change our world if we would choose to reconcile with those who are different than us, those who think different things, those who may have wronged us in certain ways that that we would take a step forward in faith. So Father, we ask now, we ask that we would follow you. I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would give us the faith to take the next step, Lord. That's my heart desire. I just simply want to follow you, Lord. I want to follow you through the thick. I want to follow you through the thin. I want to follow you through the difficulty, through the peaks and through the valleys. Lord, our prayer is that we would follow you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship.